Okay, now for our second message of the day. I think something may be revealed to us, the invisible kingdom. Nothing like having a song introduce your message. (laughs) Thank you, Matt. Appreciate that. For those of you that don't know, (coughs) uh, I work hallet on a drilling rig. Actually, we have three of them. And um, the shop is about 300 feet from the rig that I'm working on right now. And I'm working at night, so it's kind of interesting. Um, I get it. It's a little cooler than it is during the day, which is nice. get a chance to enjoy the cool breezes in the evenings. The other night, I was uh, I come off the rig, and I was walking back, and I I looked up and I saw, I think that this Venus that's right there at this time of the year, that's really, really bright. And all of a sudden, I don't know what it was, I, maybe there was a epiphany or something who <laughs> happened to me, but I just felt so small and so insignificant as I was looking at that, at that bright, bright star, or that bright planet, whichever one it was that was up there. Um, and I just, it just, all of a sudden, I just felt so much, almost like the dirt that I was walking on. And it just came over me how sometimes we feel so insignificant in this, in this world and, um, and how that can affect us. I don't know how the uh, evolutionists can even um, exist because they, they look out there and they think, well, we've evolved, we've come from nothing. All of this, all that beauty, all that's out there is for nothing. It comes from nothing. And yet for us who have studied and understood and researched and looked at it and developed into it, we know that there had to be a great power that brought all of this into existence. And not only that, a great power that keeps it in existence. It doesn't just run without some power behind it. We know that because we can look deep in and we see that power that's there in the atom. And even they smashed it and saw the energy that came out of it. And the sun and the power that's there. And we've tried to recreate that and we haven't been able to. We have a creator that actually has made those things. And the universe exists and is sustained by an invisible kingdom. We don't see it, do we? But it's there. And it's a power that's there constantly, generating energy to keep things going. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, very interesting in Jesus' prayer that he would bring this up and this thought that was there. It's a beautiful example prayer. We all know it by heart. Some churches use it on a constant basis, and they, they, they say it every, every um, uh, Sunday when they come together. In verse 9, he says, After this manner pray you, Our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. The implication is it was in existence, and it continues to exist. We live our lives on a daily basis 
going to work, whatever we do, uh, housework, whatever is our uh, daily life, and um, we just continue on. And we don't think about this invisible kingdom, this kingdom that is there constantly watching over. Now, some evolutionists want to say, oh, well, there was this first, um, or even some religious people, uh, there was this first spark that got things started, and then whoever it was went away. The Bible says he's never left. Watches over us. He has a plan. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, or the evil one, actually. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The point is, the kingdom is there. It is, it is, it is vital. It's continuing. It's, it's a part of the full of the universe, and that is what's keeping things going, and it exists. Of course, Christ's message from the beginning was, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand for all of mankind. If we repent, we can be a part of that kingdom. God rules from generation to generation. And one of the greatest examples of that is in, in, the, in the book of Daniel. A powerful example. Um, Nebuchadnezzar was the first ruler. And I know I've read this many times, but in, this, in the context of this message... I wanted to be able to go back to these very familiar um, scriptures and put it into the context of the message of the invisible kingdom because he does rule no matter who is in power. And I want us to understand that. God's rulership is always there, always watching over. He's the one that sets up and, and puts into place those um, uh, powers and watches over that. In, in Daniel, the fourth chapter, and beginning in verse 34. In the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned. Remember, he was seven days, or seven years, uh, as a wild man. And, um, and so, God gave him back his, his understanding, his reasoning, and now he is writing this out, and he wants everybody to understand that there's a greater power than he was. I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High. I praised and honored him that lives forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation. It goes on and on. It is there. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will, and in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what do you do? What can we, you know, God does what he wants to do. If it is his will, he will perform it. He said at the same time, my reason returned to me and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and the brightness returned to me and my counselors and my Lord sought me and I was established in my kingdom and ex excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth, his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. In Isaiah 66, just a real quick couple of verses here, 
very familiar with this one also. Isaiah 66. And uh, Isaiah here. Right one. A few verses here. Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things has my hand made, and all those things have been. I think that's the reason why sometimes you feel so insignificant when you realize this. He says, the heavens is his throne. All of the heavens is where he exists. And the earth is where he looks down and has his comfort in his creation. We are his creation, and we have a part in it. And we're not insignificant in what God has planned for us. It's a tremendous blessing. It's a tremendous hope that we have. You know, it's, it's interesting to look in. And I think this is a study that's always fun to look into and to, to really research and to look through. And that's the heavenly host. What God created long before he created, maybe even before he created the universe. Because maybe he needed an army. I don't know. Maybe he needed an army to, to sustain the universe or just to praise him or whatever. Uh, but there are all kinds of offices in his kingdom already. Powerful offices. And we'll, we're going to look at some of those here today. Let's go to Isaiah, the, the sixth chapter, while we're in Isaiah here. And let's look at um, something here in Isaiah. Here's one um, very interesting being. I have no idea. All I know is what the scripture says. And what it says, these creatures exist. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw, and this is verse 1, by Isaiah the 6th chapter, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. By the way, that's a beautiful song from the uh, uh, fisher folk. I love that one. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings, and with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. These are totally different than the other ones we're going to start re reading about. The seraphim. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. It's interesting that um, this um, manifestation really affected Isaiah. Can you imagine what we would be like if we actually were able to see an angel or angels or the throne of God as some of these prophets did the power that they saw the manifestation that they saw of that powerful uh, being we would be the same way we would fall flat on our face we would be hiding maybe even crying because we would know that that um, presence was so holy then flew one of the seraphims to me having a live coal in his hand which he had taken from the, cone, uh, the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth, and he said, Lo, 
This has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away from your, your sin is purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? Then said I, Here, I, send me. And we sing that song. That's a beautiful song. Send me. And so Isaiah had that calling. God wanted him to go. So he said, Here, send me. And so we, we see that. I, I actually read one more verse than I, I had intended to, but I think that fit in very, very well with um, what I was wanting to bring out there. Let's go to Genesis now, the third chapter. I think we're very familiar with this one, but this has always been interesting to me. This is the, this is the first time we see cherubims or cherubims or cherubims or however that name is pronounced. I have no idea. But however it is pronounced, these are powerful beings, and they, have, um, and they are very obedient to God. In uh, Genesis, the third chapter, and beginning in verse 23, Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from where he was taken. So we know that Adam and Eve had sinned, and God pulled them out of the Garden of Eden. No longer were they going to be able to be in there. We know that story. We know what it's what it was all about. So he drove out the man, and he placed east of the, uh, east of the Garden of Eden, cherubims, and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So here we have, how long did they stay there? All the way up until the flood? Probably so. Whoever existed during that time saw these cherubims, saw this flaming sword, they knew they could not get back into the Garden of Eden. They could not get in there. And of course, then it was destroyed when the flood came. But these cherubim were there. And they were a powerful witness of the sin that they created and they committed. And so, we see that first um, showing of those cherubim came uh, right almost from the time they the man was created. Let's go to um, let's go to Exodus the 25th chapter. We see their part also in the temple and of course in the holy um, in heaven also because remember Moses was told you have to make everything exactly like I tell you. Everything has to be made exactly like I tell you. So when they made these cherubim on the mercy seat, they were exact replications of what was in heaven. So here we are, Exodus 25, beginning in verse 17. These are the years, oops, I guess I better get to Exodus first. It won't help me to read there. <laughs> All right, Exodus 25 and beginning in verse 17. And you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold, two, two cubits and a half shall the length thereof and a cubit and a half of the breadth thereof. You shall make two cherubim or cherubim of gold, of beaten work, shall you make them in two ends of the mercy seat. So they were on the either end of the mercy seat. Make one cherubim on one end and the other cherubim on the other. Even of the mercy seat shall you make the cherubims or cherubims on the two ends of thereof. The cherubim shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings, 
and their faces shall look one to the other. Toward the mercy seat shall their faces of the cherubims be. So they have their wings up and they, they face one another on either side of that, of that mercy seat. And you shall put the mercy seat above the ark. In the ark you shall put the testimony that I shall give you. And there I will meet you and I will come in with you from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony of all the things which I will give you um, a commandment for the children of Israel. So, here we see the children of Israel were to make in that mercy seat, they were to have those cherubims on that mercy seat, and they were to carry that wherever they went. They picked that up. They weren't to handle it. They had golden rods that they would pick that um, uh, Ark of the Covenant up with, and they would carry that from one place to the other. And they were witnesses to those cherubim that were there. And they, they saw those. One of the greatest manifestations of God's glory, His power, His magnificence comes in the book of Ezekiel. Every time I read this, I get chills. One of these days, I want to see this for real. I really want to see this. Um, I'm reading this now, but I'm going to have a Hopefully, I have a little bit of time, and I think I will. I don't think I'll, I'll be taking that much time today. Um, there's a little short um, YouTube of this very chapter. And I want, we can get a little picture as we read it, but then we can, at, at the end of the message, we'll get even a, a, a little bit more. Because the magnificence is not going to be there, is it? We're not going to be like Ezekiel standing there, and, and watching this tremendous uh, show as these angels and the, and the sea of glass and, and um, God sitting on the throne. This is so powerful and so profound. Let's look at it. Let's read it in the book of Ezekiel in chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass in the 30th year and the 4th month and the 55th day of the month, as I was among the captives in the river Kibar, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. In the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of the king of Jehoiakim's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Bezai, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Kebar. And the hand of the Lord was, up, was there upon him. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof as the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures, and there was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Um, we talk about angels, and you have all of these programs. Now, angels do manifest themselves as human beings. And, um, I don't know if I've got any of that in here. I think I, I left some of that out, because you know, there's, there's places where they've come, and they've manifested themselves to, um, to Abraham, come down, and they... In, in different places, but they really look like this. <laughs> As we read this, this is the way they really look. And this is, and they're beautiful, powerful beings. Gorgeously powerful beings.
he says, and they had the likeness of a man, and everyone had four faces, and everyone had four wings, and their feet were straight feet, and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like the color of burnished brass. And they had in their hands of a man under their wings, on their four sides, and they four had their faces and their wings. And their wings were joined one to another, and they turned not when they went. They went, every one, straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man and the face of a lion on the right side. Um, and, the face, and they four had the face of an ox on the left side, and they four had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces, and their wings were stretched upward. Two wings of every one were joined one to another, and two covered their bodies. See, so these are different. These don't have six wings. They have four wings. So two were stretched out. Two covered their body. And they went, every one, straight forward where the spirit was to go. And they went, and they turned not when they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire and like the appearance of lamps. It went up and down among the living creatures and the fire was bright and out of the fire went forth lightning. And the living creatures ran and returned in the appearance of the flash of lightning. And so they, they would be there and then they would leave and then they would come right back. And the flash of lightning would come and go as they left and come back. That passed. It was just like um, a lightning show with these creatures moving back and forth. Now as I beheld the living creatures, behold, one wheel upon the earth by the living creatures with its four faces. And the appearance of the wheels and their work was like the color of burial. And their four had one likeness, and their appearance and their work was as it were wheels in the middle of a wheel. And when they went, uh, they went up on their uh, four sides, and they turned not when they went. As for their rings, they were so high that they were dreadful, and their rings were full of eyes round about them four. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went by them. And when the living creatures were lifted up into the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Wherever the spirit was to go, they went. There was their spirit to go, and the wheels were lifted up opposite them. For the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. When those went, these went. When those stood, these stood. And those were lifted up from the earth. The wheels were lifted opposite them. For the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. And the likeness of the firmament upon the heads of the living creatures was as the color of terrible crystal stretched forth over their heads. And so now we have this crystalline um, structure setting over the top of these four creatures and all these living wheels. And under the firmament were their wings straight and <clears throat> one another toward the other. Everyone had, had two which covered this side, and everyone had two which covered that side of their bodies. And when they went, I heard the noise of their, wing, their wings, like the noise of great waters, as the voice of the Almighty, the voice of speech, as the noise of a host. When they stood, they let down their wings, and, when, and there was a voice from the firmament that was over their heads when they stood and had let down their wings. And above the firmament, that was over their heads with the likeness of a throne, as the appearance of sapphire stone. And upon the likeness of the throne was the appearance, was the likeness of the appearance of a man upon it. 
and I saw as the color of amber, as the appearance of, of fire round about inside it from the appearance of his loins even upward and from the appearance of his loins even downward. I saw as I, it were the appearance of fire and in the brightness round about it as the appearance of the bow that was in the cloud in the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness round about it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard a voice of one that spoke. Wow. I imagine so. Uh, I think all of us, even in this day of an age of all of this science fiction shows and stuff, if something appeared like that in front of us, we would be terrified. We would fall on our faces. We would, we would understand this is powerful. This is the glory of God. And he said, I didn't have this down, but he, the, the man that was on the throne said, Son of man, stand upon your feet and I'll speak to you. So, and he did. Now, we have others that have special duties, which is very interesting. One of those is, is, the, is the, the angel Gabriel. The angel Gabriel seems to be the messenger angel. Um, at least that's the way it, it seems in the scriptures. He brings the messages. So let's look at, let's look at Luke as we look at uh, the two messages that were brought to the two women, Elizabeth and Mary. And these two, this angel, very powerful angel, by the way, um, significantly more powerful, I think, than, than the ones that, that, that there, there seems to be a hierarchy. There seems to be a power uh, uh, hierarchy there. God has set that forth. And Gabriel has a responsibility. And I'm going to bring in uh, Luke, the first chapter, beginning in verse 5. There was in the day of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest of the name of Zechariah of the course of Abiah, and his wife was the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they both were righteous before God, and walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they both were well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the, temp and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside in this time of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Well, that would be a little disconcerting. When Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Fear not, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard. Your wife shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Uh-oh, now comes something very interesting. And he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. One of many children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God shall go before him in the spirit of power of Elijah and the turn hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient of, uh, to the wisdom of the just and to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. And then Zechariah said to the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well stricken in years. And the angel answering said to him, I'm Gabriel that stand in the presence of God 
and I am sent to speak to you and to show you these glad tidings. And behold, you shall be dumb, not be able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because you believe not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. Doesn't seem like they have a great sense of humor. <laughs> they, they are very dedicated to bringing the message, especially Gabriel. So if Gabriel ever shows up to any of us, we better believe what he says because he's bringing it direct from God. And uh, so we, we need to understand that Gabriel is the one that brings these messages. So, and so when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. It came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus has the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he, he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to the virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, and to the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Hail, you that are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled, and saying, and cast her mind, What manner of salutation should this be? And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Wow, what a salutation from the angel messenger direct from God. Behold, you shall conceive in your womb, and you shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God shall give him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there shall be no end. And so we see Gabriel bringing this message both to Elizabeth and, well, Zachariah in this one case, but for Elizabeth, and in this case to Mary. Both of them, Gabriel bringing the message. Very powerful. Now let's go turn to Daniel because I think, even though he's not identified as that, let's go to Daniel, the 10th chapter. Daniel, again. Not sure it's in here. Daniel, the 10th chapter, and let's read the uh, beginning of verse 4. And in the 4th and 12th, uh, 20th day of the first month, as I was in the side of the river, which is in Hedekiel, then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Euphar. His body was <clears throat> as like beryl, and his face was the appearance of lightning, and his eyes were as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like the color of polished brass, and the voice as the words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me uh, into corruption. I hope that doesn't mean that he did something, but <laughs> I'm sure that it was very disturbing, and I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face towards the ground. Brethren, that's a, a point to be made. Um, whenever somebody is doing these healing things, and they push somebody, and they go fall backwards, that's absolutely wrong. All of the examples in the Bible, all of them fell on their face. 
they fall on their face towards the ground. Everywhere where you find if they, uh, Moses the burning bush, when he took off his shoes, he, he fell on his face before the ground. Um, anytime that they fall backwards, that is a wrong, that's wrong, that's, uh, that's, not, that's not godly, that's, that's totally different. There's something else going on there. So, he retained no strength, and he, he fell on his face, and he faced towards the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, and under, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright for to you am I now sent. And when he had spoken these words to me, I stood trembling, and Zed said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I am come for your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. There's some interesting stuff going on in heaven that we're not aware of. And it probably continues to go on today. This is, this is very interesting, very profound. There was a battle going on, and they withstood Gabriel. And I think that's who we're talking about, although the name is not, you know, not mentioned here. I think this is because he was the messenger from God. If it was, he was withstood 20 days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief, uh, one of the chief princes, came to help me. And I remain there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make you an un to understand what shall befall your people in the latter days. For yet a vision for many days. And when he had spoken such words to me, I set my face toward the ground and I became dumb. So we see this messenger coming, but he was restrained for a while because of, of a battle. And we see another angel coming, whose name is Michael, who seems to be a warrior angel. <laughs> I mean, he seems to have the sword um, to fight. Let's go to, um, now let's go to, to um, uh, Daniel, the 12th chapter. We'll see a couple places where Michael um, is, is mentioned. And it begins in in chapter 12, verse 1. And um, I think this kind of breaks into the, the verse before, but I'm just going to go ahead and read it as it is. We'll just bring it in here at this particular point. And that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which stands for the children of our people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Even to that same time, and that time your people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that slept in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So at that time, we know that there's going to be a, a, a time in which um, the end will be coming. And if we turn to the book of Revelation, and we look at Revelation, the 12th chapter, we'll see, and I think it ties in somewhat here. Let's turn to Revelation, the 12th chapter, and beginning of verse 7. He says, and there was war in heaven, verse 7. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon fought and his angels. So we see a, a warrior angel or 
uh, a host of warrior angels, however you want to look at that. Um, but Michael seems to, to be one that is uh, given the responsibility of fighting the battles and even has come to the rescue of others. Uh, and he seems to be a very powerful angel in that particular, particular sense. And prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out on that old serpent that's called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out of the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So, we find that there was Michael, Gabriel, and at one time, there was a third angel. And I think everybody's very familiar with Lucifer. We're going to read a little bit about Lucifer here. I want to uh, turn to um, uh, I want to turn to Isaiah the first first time. Let's just read one one verse here to make it plain that this is who we're talking about, because it's it's not as plain in uh, Ezekiel as it is in in Isaiah as to who it is that we're talking about. Isaiah the fourteenth chapter and beginning in verse twelve. And there's just one, just one verse I want to read. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, or Lightbringer? That was his name, Lightbringer. Son of the morning, how are you cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? So Lucifer was a very powerful angel, and he had many other angels, and he tried to take over the throne of God. So let's go to Ezekiel, the 28th chapter. And tried a coup on the very creator who created him. Even though this talks about the king of Tyre, it is actually talking about a very powerful angelic being. He says um, in verse 11, beginning in verse, verse, I'm gonna, verse 11, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You seal up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You have been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, the topaz, um, and the diamond, and beryl, and onyx, and jasper, and the sapphire, and emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold, and the workmanship of your tabrets and of your pipes, was prepared in you in the day that you were created. And so we have this beautiful being. He was created beautiful. Maybe that was the problem. He saw his own beauty and he realized, wow, I'm I'm beautiful. I'm I'm great. I'm wonderful. I have a tremendous responsibility. You are the anointed cherub that covers. So he's one he was there obviously at one time was three cherubs that covered the the seat or the part where God's throne was. And I've set you so. You are upon the holy mountain of God. You have walked up and down in the midst of stones of fire. All of these words we're reading here, we have no idea. It's part of the invisible kingdom, isn't it? One of these days, brethren, we will be able to, to, to uh, walk in there, maybe see those things, be a, a part of it, understand it a little bit fuller, um, maybe marvel at it, enjoy it. He says, you were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created. God did not create him with sin, iniquity, till iniquity was found in you. He became that way, didn't he? 
By the multitude of your merchandise, they have filled the midst of you with violence, and you have sinned. Therefore, I will cast you as profane out of the mountain of God. I will destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness. I will cast you to the ground. I will lay you before kings that they may behold you. You have defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your traffic. Therefore, I will bring forth a fire from the midst of you. I will devour you, and I will bring you to ashes upon the earth in the midst of all them that behold you. In other words, Satan tried to take over God's throne. Of course, he didn't succeed. He didn't understand the power that God had. And he failed. And now he is called Abaddon, Satan. Um, no longer Lucifer. No longer the one who was the light bringer. No wonder, that one, no wonder the third one in, that was the covering care of he now has a fate um, that he knows no future. In Daniel, the seventh chapter, verse 9, it's a beautiful place that we're going to stand on someday in this invisible kingdom. You and I are going to have an opportunity to witness some things that are going to be so fantastic so wonderful, so beautiful. I'm not sure that even in our spiritual form we're going to be able to handle this. <laughs> I keep thinking about standing there <clears throat> and looking and witnessing the Father and the Son on, the, on this um, sea of glass. I, I'm not sure I can handle this, what it's going to be like. In verse, uh, verse 9, I could read the whole thing here, but I just wanted to read this. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was like fiery flame, and the wheels as burning fire. You go back to Ezekiel, you think about what it said there, and how that, that um, uh, horrible throne, I don't know how else to say it, um, it's, it's how God travels. And it's, it's a, it must be an extremely wide, a long expanse. It can take a lot of people, put a lot of people up there. Let's go to Revelation, the fourth chapter, and let's, let's look at another um, place here where it describes this beautiful, beautiful place um, where God is worshipped and where all the end time things are going to take place. After this I looked, and behold, verse 1, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, was as it were, a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up, and I'll show you things which must, must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he, and he that sat was to look upon like jasper and sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne and the site like that of an, uh, to an emerald, an emerald and round the throne were four and twenty seats and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment and they had upon their heads crowns of gold and out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices and there were seven lamps 
of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass, like as crystal, and in the midst of the throne, and round about the throne were four beasts, full of eyes, round uh, before and behind. The first beast was like a lion, the second beast was like a calf, the third beast was like had the face of a man, and the fourth beast was like the flying eagle. Now if those cherubim were kind of turned in particular directions, that's what he would see, four different faces of those, uh, those various uh, individuals. In verse 8, the four beasts, each of them had six wings about them, and they were full of eyes inside, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is to come. So now we, that looks like the seraphim there. So that's interesting, uh, the six wings. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat upon the throne and lives forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worshiped him that lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things, and for your pleasure they were created. You all can go in and you can read in different places in the Bible because there's more of those about that various uh, beautiful uh, invisible kingdom that constantly is watching over us. Um, there's a scripture in there that says the eyes of God are looking for those that are righteous, searching all over the world for those. And he, uh, you know, he's, he's constantly looking for um, those that will be in his kingdom. One day, though, and this is the thing that I look forward to, maybe someday I might be able to see that. I don't know if God would ever bless me with looking at this before I'm in his kingdom. Um, it would be something uh, to be like, Isaac, be like Ezekiel, some of the ones that witnessed it. But one day, we'll have an opportunity to witness those things. We'll have an opportunity to see God and see his very... Uh, presence and very throne and all of that because we will be spirit beings and he will set his kingdom up on this earth and that's what I'm looking for I know that there's such a beautiful thing and I know God is, is out there I know that, that he is doing uh, and preparing for the day when he comes and in Isaiah the second chapter we see that we see what he sets up on this earth it shall come to pass we read this a lot because it's important for each and every one of us to understand that there is a plan. It's not like we just live and die and, and there's no plan. God has had a plan from the beginning. He has wanted his children to be with him. Um, I've got to mention my kids. I love my, my, my grandkids. <laughs> they get, one of them will come with this giant, huge smile on her face. I'll walk in the door... And she just smiled so big. When we come before God, are we going to we going to have that same feeling of joy and rejoicing and smiling? And re, I mean, we will probably be so glad, so rejoicing, uh, and, and to be able to see the Father and the Son in real life, right in front of them, and be with them. Come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills 
and all nations shall flow to it. So where we have a kingdom being established, and, and it'll be unlike any other government that has ever existed on earth. It is a government dedicated to peacefulness, true peacefulness on this earth. Whatever it takes, even if we have to beat it into it, we will bring peace on this earth. Many people should go and say, Come you, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways. And we will walk in the paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. No more confusion, brethren. No more confusion. People will learn the truth. They will understand what it means to keep the holy days, to keep the Sabbath, to truly worship God, and to understand what it means to be a part of the kingdom, his kingdom, his rulership. They will truly love God. And they will truly want to worship and come to be to there. He shall judge among the nations. So there will be nations. Not all the world is going to be destroyed. It will be a time of great trouble, but God's not going to let everybody die. He shall rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come you. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Brethren, there is time coming when we will be able to actually see the invisible kingdom. I have a that Ezekiel, the first chapter. There's a YouTube video. I want to show it here right at the end. Um, and I, and that's, that's the, will be the end of my message. Uh, and it's about six minutes, not very long. But I, nothing ever will be able to, to, to bring the truth and the reality of this. But it is a little, it's a little video uh, to give us a little visual of, of what God very... Uh, powerful throne and his his power is like in his invisible kingdom. Now it came about in the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, while I was in the midst of the exiled people by the river Kibar, that the heavens were opened, and I began to see visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, that is, in the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim, the word of Jehovah occurred specifically to Ezekiel, the son of Uzai, the priest in the land of the Chaldeans, by the river Kibar. And upon him in that place the hand of Jehovah came to be. And I began to see and look. There was a tempestuous wind coming from the north, 
a great cloud mass and quivering fire. And it had a brightness all around. And out of the midst of it, there was something like the look of electrum out of the midst of the fire. And out of the midst of it, there was the likeness of four living creatures. And this was how they looked. They had the likeness of earthling man, and each one had four faces, and each one of them four wings. And their feet were straight feet, and the sole of their feet was like the sole of the foot of a calf, and they were gleaming as with the glow of burnished copper. And there were the hands of a man under their wings on their four sides, and the four of them had their faces and their wings. Their wings were joining one to the other. They would not turn when they went. They would go each one straight forward. And as for the likeness of their faces, the four of them had a man's face with a lion's face to the right, and the four of them had a bull's face on the left. The four of them also had an eagle's face. That is the way their faces were. And their wings were spreading out upward. Each one had two joining to each other, and two were covering their bodies. And they would go, each one, straight forward. To wherever the spirit would incline to go, they would go. They would not turn as they went. And as for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire. Something like the appearance of torches was moving back and forth between the living creatures, and the fire was bright, and out of the fire there was lightning going forth. And on the part of the living creatures there was a going forth and a returning, as with the appearance of the lightning. As I kept seeing the living creatures, why, look, there was one wheel on the earth beside the living creatures, by the four faces of each. As for the appearance of the wheels and their structure, it was like the glow of chrysolite, and the four of them had one likeness. And their appearance and their structure were just as when a wheel proved to be in the midst of a wheel. When they went, they would go on their four respective sides. They would not turn another way when they went. And as for their rims, they had such height that they caused fearfulness. And their rims were full of eyes all around the four of them. And when the living creatures went, the wheels would go beside them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels would be lifted up. Wherever the spirit inclined to go, they would go. The spirit inclining to go there and the wheels themselves would be lifted up close alongside them, for the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. When they went, these would go. And when they stood still, these would stand still. And when they were lifted up from the earth, the wheels would be lifted up close alongside them, for the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. And over the heads of the living creatures there was the likeness of an expanse, like the sparkle of awesome ice stretched out over their heads up above. And under the expanse their wings were straight, one to the other. Each one had two wings covering on this side, and each one had two covering on that side, their bodies. And I got to hear the sound of their wings, a sound like that of vast waters, like the sound of the Almighty One. When they went, the sound of a tumult like the sound of an encampment. When they stood still, they would let their wings down. 
when there came to be a voice about the expanse that was over their head. When they stood still, they would let their wings down. And above the expanse that was over their head, there was something in appearance like sapphire stone, the likeness of a throne. And upon the likeness of the throne, there was a likeness of someone in appearance like an earthling man upon it, up above. And I got to see something like the glow of electrum, like the appearance of fire all around inside thereof. From the appearance of his hips and upward, and from the appearance of his hips and downward, I saw something like the appearance of fire, and he had a brightness all around. There was something like the appearance of the bow that occurs in a cloud mass on the day of a pouring rain. That is how the appearance was of the brightness round about. It was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of Jehovah.